Hey guys, this is a special emergency edition of the Celebration Rock podcast. Uh, We did one of these when Chris Cornell passed away earlier this year, and uh, I felt like we had no choice but to do it again uh, now that Tom Petty has died. Uh, I think if you love rock and roll, the death of Tom Petty, it's sort of like the death of a president, you know, like a, you know, not the guy who's currently in office, but, you know, one of the older presidents. Uh, you know, he was a head of state in the history of rock and roll, an incredibly important artist and a much beloved uh, singer songwriter. Uh, and, you know, I, I think my experience is probably the experience of a lot of people listening uh, right now, which is. Tom Petty was one of those people that just seemed to mark time in your life. Uh, Some of the earliest memories that I have of listening to music uh, involved Tom Petty. You know, I remember being four or five years old and riding in my dad's car and listening to Stop Dragging My Heart Around, the duet with Stevie Nicks or Refugee, you know, all those hits from Damn the Torpedoes. Uh, you know, this, this was the early eighties. So those were new songs and they were all over the radio, but you know, they would continue to be all over the radio, certainly classic rock radio for the next 35, 40 years. And, you know, as someone who who grew up in the eighties and nineties, uh, Tom Petty never went away, even though trends would change, genres would come in and out of fashion. Um, and a lot of the peers that he came up with, you know, they had their heyday and they sort of faded away. Whereas Tom Petty just always stuck around, you know, and he actually got stronger as his career went on. You know, the, the biggest album of his career was Full Moon Fever in 1989. That was, you know, 13 years after his first record came out. And then that brings him into the 90s, uh, which was a huge decade for Tom Petty, when it really wasn't a great decade for any other rocker of his ilk. You know, the Heartland Rockers of the 80s, the Bruce Springsteens, the John Mellencamps, the Bob Seegers, they all went into commercial hibernation during the 90s. They got put in the freezer. And of course, Bruce Springsteen came back, you know, he reformed with the E Street Band at the end of the 90s, and he's he is what he is today. He's like one of the most respected artists on the planet. But in the 90s, he was not cool. And a lot of those 80s people, they were not considered cool in the mo- anymore in the era of alternative rock and gangster rap and, and teen pop and then later rap rock. But Tom Petty somehow made sense in the 90s, or at least he was able to carve out a niche for himself um, where he could continue to put out great records and also be a pop star, you know, put out albums that sold millions of copies, you know, records like Into the Great Wide Open and Wildflowers. Um, which for me, you know, and, and this is a reflection of my age perhaps, but, you know, that, that era of, from like, say, Full Moon Fever through Wildflowers, maybe even including the She's the One soundtrack, that is my sweet spot of Tom Petty. You know, that was the, the, the those records were so big to me, um, even as I was listening to alternative rock and the Nirvanas and the Pearl Jams and the Radioheads, there was still a place for Tom Petty. And then even after that, um, you know, when Tom Petty would be on the road. And he was always a guy that seemed to be touring with the Heartbreakers, even if there wasn't a new Tom Petty record. You knew that if he wasn't in your town this summer, he would be in your town the next summer. And I ended up seeing Tom Petty three times 
in the 2000s into the 2010s. I actually saw him on his last tour uh, here in St. Paul. I, I went with uh, my producer, Derek, who's on with me right now. I'm going to kick it to him after I'm done with my little monologue here. But um, yeah, we saw him on the last tour. It was the 40th anniversary of the Heartbreakers. And, you know, I wish I had a great story to go with this show, you know, that, uh, you know, I wish I could say, like, he was really, really great that night, or he didn't look great that night, and maybe he looked sick, and they were, you know, sort of foreboding, foreshadowing of what was going to happen to him at the end of the tour. But I have to say that, you know, it was like seeing Tom Petty on any other tour. You know, he sounded great, looked great, the band played great. Uh, you know, they played a lot of hits, uh, and they were they were what Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are supposed to be, which is this reliable consistent institution that uh, you can return to whenever you want and they're going to be the same and it's always going to be good. And there's not that many things in the world that are like that, you know, that you could just rely upon to always be there and to always be great. Um, you know, I wrote a thing about Tom Petty, a tribute to him when I was at Grantland in 2014. And in that piece, I compared Tom Petty to tap water and concrete and I know that doesn't sound like a very flattering comparison, but what I meant by that is that, to me, Tom Petty has always been this thing that was, he was like a public utility, you know, he was he was ubiquitous, he, you know, everywhere you went, you know, you could hear his songs, you know, he was always going to be relied upon, he would never fail, you know, he would never disappear, and because of that consistency, you know, there was a tendency to take him for granted. In a way, he was invisible. Um, he was everywhere, but he was also like something you don't have to think about. You know, there's so many things in this world that do let you down, uh, <laughs> you know, that you do have to worry about, but you didn't have to worry about Tom Petty. He was always going to be great. Um, and uh, now he's not there. Or he's gone. You know, you go to the tap and there's no water coming out. You know, you go to the street and the concrete has turned to dust. I mean, that's what's happened right now. This institution of America uh, has fallen. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we always have the songs, these incredible songs, you know, these songs that we all know, these songs that we've all heard like 10,000 times and yet... When you hear American Girl at a baseball stadium or you turn on the radio and it's playing The Waiting, you hear the opening guitar riff of that song, you've heard it so many times and yet you're not sick of it yet. <laughs> There's something about this music that um, it's so nourishing, you just want to keep going back to it. And the familiarity of it, it's comforting, but it doesn't dull the power of the music. Um, so I'm grateful that this man has left this incredible body of work behind that we can still enjoy and turn to. Um, but it's still weird for me that I'm not going to be able to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers anymore on a summer tour. You know, I have two kids now. My son just turned five. He's starting to get into music. You know, I play music for him all the time. He's, he has favorite artists. You know, he, he requests songs. You know, this is something that's starting to register with him in the same way it was for me when I was five and I was listening to the radio and I heard Tom Petty for the first time and I started caring about music at around this age. And I always had this feeling that, well, Tom Petty's only 66, you know. Like, 
Dylan is in his 70s. Neil Young is in his 70s. You know, Tom Petty's probably still going to be around by the time my son is 8 or 9 or 10. And maybe I can take him to a show. You know, maybe that can be his first rock show, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. You know, that can be his gateway drug into the this incredible world of live music. Um, I think I just took for granted that I was going to be able to do that, and I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to have to tell my son and my daughter about what it was like to see this guy and, and play the records and hope that's enough. Um, I don't know. I'm really glad I saw him on that last tour. You know, I mean, we're going through this all the time now with these iconic musicians, uh, people that, uh, you know, again, we've kind of taken for granted that they've always been there in the past and we believe that they're always going to be there in the future. And yet, you know, they, these people aren't immortal. They do fall. Um, and, you know, I wrote a book about this that's coming out next year. It's called Twilight of the Gods. And there is a section in my book about Tom Petty. And I was talking to my editor yesterday and I, you know, was saying, you know, like I have to change parts of this book now. Um, not dramatically, but, you know, you have, there's some things that, you, you know, mainly the thing I have to do is change a lot of things to past tense. <laughs> you know? You know, Tom Petty is no longer a present tense figure. He's a past tense figure. Um, and that's just a profoundly sad thing to me. Um, but, uh, you know, this is something that is going to keep happening with our great heroes. Um, you know, as unfathomable as it is in a lot of ways. Uh, like I said, I'm here with Derek, I, you know, and I'm just sort of rattling off feelings here <laughs> about Petty. I mean, it's been a weird, I mean, yesterday was a weird day anyway. Yeah. Because you had the Nashville, I mean, you had the the Las Vegas, you know, massacre going on. Uh, you know, that was Sunday night and people just reeling from that. I know me personally, I had to write something about the Las Vegas uh, tragedy and I got done with that. And then at around two o'clock central on Monday, the news broke that Petty had been rushed to the hospital. And then, you know, several hours were a sort of touch and go. And then it, I think it was around 11 o'clock or so central time when it was confirmed that he had finally passed. Like, well, yeah, I just kind of rattled off, you know, my feelings about this. Like, how do you, like, how do you feel? I mean, like, like I said, we went to that show, I guess that was in June or July. Uh, yeah, I think it was July. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, yesterday was the worst day for this, right? It was already this kind of dark day and, you know, here in Minneapolis, it was already, it was also pouring rain. Right. And there's like a literal dark cloud over yeah, the, over the city. Just kind of this day. And, um, you know, the, the word that you used, uh, about Tom earlier uh, as an institution, you know, like I, I do feel like that's a, a feeling that we had about him that kind of like, he was part of this fabric of America that was always going to be there. And on this day, where you know you're already sort of thinking about the institutions of America and how they're under this constant assault, and you know how uh, you know places of community are now kind of constantly under attack. To lose a guy like Tom Petty on a day like that, it just sort of felt like this double jolt. And and for me, you know, yeah, there was a sort of period where like, is he or but. You knew once the news broke that the Tom Petty that you knew, the Tom Petty that we saw a couple of months ago, that Tom Petty wasn't coming back. Yeah, and and that was just it was it hit me really hard. Like I I sat in the dark and played the song Wildflowers a couple times in a row, uh, just to kind of just to deal. 
for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get choked up about celebrity deaths, really. I mean, I mean, I feel them, I, you know, and it's a big deal to me. I mean, like I said, I just wrote a book about it, so it's something I think about a lot. But, you know, I I did get choked up yesterday listening to It's Good to Be King from Wildflowers. And then also there's this clip from a George Harrison documentary uh, where Tom Petty is talking about his friendship with George Harrison and how they used to always play ukuleles together. And it's just this goofy story, but it's so warm and uh, and lovely. And I, I started getting choked up watching this thing because you're just like, just what you said. I mean, I think that's true for a lot of people that you, you have this Las Vegas, you know, just this horrible thing where, you know, Hundreds of people are are wounded. You have like almost 60 people who are murdered. Um, A feeling of hopelessness from that. And then you have this rock star, I guess, this artist who I think for a lot of people, he's one of those rare people that like you feel like everyone sort of likes Tom Petty. Yeah. You know, it's this guy that especially in our country where it's so polarized, uh, you know, people are so entrenched in their own belief systems. You feel like at a Tom Petty concert, there's probably... You know, there's people on the left, there's people on the right, there's men, there's women, there's all different sexual orientations and races. It's like, I've never met anyone that hated Tom Petty. It's just, he's kind of a hard guy to hate. It's like, he's got at least one song that you probably like. Maybe you don't feel one way strongly about him or the other, but you, he's definitely one of those people that like, we all, you all, you at least know one of his songs. And uh, if you have any feelings about him, it's probably positive. And at worst... You are indifferent. Yeah, like Mark Marin, I guess, has a bit in his new Netflix special that's sort of about where he's talking about trying to figure out how to bridge the divide, uh, you know, that sort of exists politically in America. And like, like, what do I have in common with these people? What is the common ground that we can get together with? And eventually he settles on, well, we all like Tom Petty, right? And <laughs> like, that's, you know, like that was sort of the gift of him. Like he had this... You know, when you think of a lot of the other American songwriters, there's something very specific about them. I, I feel like Tom Petty's music felt like it spoke specifically about where you lived, even though he probably was not from where you lived. Right. You know, um, you know, I did happen to live in Gainesville, Florida, for a time, but most people did not. Yeah. And I, you know, like when you think of Springsteen as great as Springsteen is, like he's very sort of specifically identified with a certain region of the country, whereas Tom Petty was just kind of like belong to everybody. Right. You know, Mellencamp was the Midwest guy and Springsteen was the East Coast guy. Tom Petty was just everybody's guy. Yeah, and he just had this, and you know, I, I mean, I wrote about this, I wrote a uh, a tribute to to Petty uh, that went up on uprocks.com uh, on Tuesday. And I wrote about this in the piece that um, I, you know, I was talking before about how in the 90s a lot of the rockers of his generation sort of faded away but Petty somehow stuck around. And I think one thing that separated him was that he never seemed to be trying that hard. He had sort of like a, a like a very laid-back Southern mm-hmm. casualness to him that translated really well to the alternative era. You know, that the alternative rock stars were, you know, famously sort of anti-fame, anti-celebrity, um, and, you know... They weren't into sort of the trappings of rock stardom, sort of the bigness of, of of rock and roll, which I think if you compare him to someone like Springsteen, for instance, certainly during his Born in the USA period, he became this 
sort of emblematic person of stadium rock of and i think for some people i think wrongly but you know he was associated with this sort of like overt americanism you know (laughs) right like very over the top um whereas petty he could be that all-American rocker, and yet he also seemed to be laughing at himself at the same time. You know, there was always sort of like a like a punk rock thing to him, where like he, I think he took his art seriously, but I don't think he took himself that seriously. Um, and you also got the sense that he didn't take his fame seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, he loved music, but. Um, you know, I, I think he had a healthy uh, skepticism of the music industry and and of rock stardom, and it just made him seem, I think, so endearing to people that you know might have disregarded other baby boomer type rock stars. You know, Petty, I think, had something uh, had a lack of pretension maybe about him yeah. that was attractive, I think, to younger fans. When you when you think about some of the artists we've like eulogized sort of lately, right? Like Bowie. Bowie literally seemed like he could have come from another planet, <laughs> right? You know, and Prince was this like superhuman, sexy dude that played thirty six instruments, right. and like you're like you're never gonna be Prince, right? Right, right. You know, even Chris Cornell had those pipes, you right. know, and that whale, that banshee whale, and the hair, and he looked yeah. like a total rock star, right? Like Petty feels approachable in like, I mean, now you understand that you are probably never going to have his songwriting chops and create these lasting legacies of songs, but like right. there is something about his music that feels like, Oh, I could do that. You know? And I think it is something about that casualness, uh, that makes an easy entry point for a lot of people. Yeah. That's sort of, you know, like larger than life, every man thing that he had where, yeah, like you said, you can't really be Tom Petty because if it were that easy, there'd be a lot of Tom Petty's. And the reality is, is that there have been a lot of people that tried to be like Tom Petty mm-hmm. and it either either they don't have the tunes or it just seems cheesy or, you know, they can't pull it off. Um, you know, we're around the same age. I mean, you know, that trajectory that I was talking about for me getting into Petty, like, I, I mean, I love his 70s albums into the 80s, but like the, the sort of 90s things, like I guess starting with Full Moon Fever is really, I guess, like kind of my golden yeah. era of Petty. Is, is that true for you, too? Yeah, that's the Petty that I sort of came up on. Yeah. Um, you know, the Full Moon Fever, it, even the Traveling Woolberry stuff, and then on to uh, Into the Great Wide Open and Wildflowers. Um, as I got into working in classic rock radio, then I got into a lot of the earlier, the, the uh, late 70s, early 80s Petty stuff, and you kind of understand, like, whoa, the, the, the body of work on this guy is amazing. You know, we, we were, you mentioned that show and like how in some ways it was a lot like just any other Tom Petty show. For me, it was exciting because that was the first show I'd seen where he was, you know, he was doing a 40th anniversary tour. Uh, it really was a summation of his career. He was kind of committed to playing hits. And so to like see the full breadth and scope of the hits of his career and realizing that he left a few on the table. Like he, he, oh, he left a lot on the table. <laughs> yeah. and, like, and that is, you know, and I, I think this is another thing that makes him unique is that when we talk about, um, you know, the, the classic rockers, normally there's like a decade or so that they have, which is the golden era and that people always refer to, um, you know, as Bruce Springsteen has, you know, it's, it, it's like from maybe the mid seventies to the mid eighties or so is like his mm-hmm. sweet spot. Dylan is the sixties and seventies. Um, with Tom Petty, it really does matter when you grew up because I think for there's there's a generation of people who are older than us that 
were with him like when Damn the Torpedoes came out, when when that record came out in 1979, and that was a defining record of rock radio at that time, where you had Refugee and Even the Losers and Here Comes My Girl and you know the Jimmy Iovine production of that. You know, very you know the sheen to it, but also it has a liveliness to it. Um, and then you have that record, and you have Hard Promises, Long After Dark, and you know the, like The Waiting, and You Got Lucky, and like a lot of those big songs. And of course, a little bit before that, you have American Girl and Breakdown, and you know again, there's tons of songs that we could list here. But you know, for a lot of people, that is that is Tom Petty. And then there's people like us who uh, really like those records, but it's like there's a whole other period. Mm-hmm. You know, and a whole other generation, really, that kind of has their Tom Petty, too. Um, and, I, I mean, I think that's that, that that's unique to him, you know, that he has these different kind of golden eras that you could plug into, uh, depending on when you come up. And, you know, I mean, I think all music marks time, but there's something about Petty, I think, and just his ability to be, uh, you know, different things to different generations that makes his music, I think, unique uniquely adept at marking time you know that um like i know for me i remember watching the video for don't come around here no more you know that was a big video on mtv in the mid 80s and that was on uh you know like i was in grade school i was probably second or third grade or so and i didn't really know who tom petty was even though i remember hearing you know i i'd heard like i said before i heard refugee and stop dragging my heart around on the radio but this was before i really like I wasn't following artists really at that time. It was just sort of like what was whatever was on, and that's what I heard. But I I still associate certain songs with certain periods. And then you know, Full Moon Fever and Running on a Dream is like kind of later elementary school. And then you get into junior high, and it's uh, into the Great Wide Open, and 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 so on and so forth. Um, and then you know he's he's playing with Dave Grohl on on Saturday Night Live in 1994, which you know again if you were around our age and you were into Nirvana. It was like wow, Dave Grohl's in the Heartbreakers. Like, yeah, how, how cool or like is that? Axl Rose doing Free Falling at the, the '89 VMAs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like in '89, he's like doing yeah, like Free Falling with Axl Rose at the VMAs, and then he's also doing Traveling Wilbury stuff at that time with like Roy Orbison. You know, it's yeah. like <laughs> Tom Petty is the is the degree between Roy Orbison and Axl Rose. Right. You know, like he at, was as like most rebellious Axl Rose too. Right? Exactly. Yeah, like yeah, like, like 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 the real Axl Rose. Yeah. Like when Axl Rose was uh, you know challenging Vince Neil to like fist fights in parking lots. Um, and there really was a time where he was like, I think the president of, of rock music from like 89 to 97. He was the president, uh, in terms of just being a guy that like was as connected to the past of rock as he was to the present and the future. Like he was the commonality, the, the sort of pivot point, uh, for rock music at that time. Um, in a, in a way, maybe similar to how Neil Young was at that time. I think right. Neil Young had a similar thing. Um, but it, I don't know. I think that just gave him sort of – that gives his career, I think, a unique perspective. And it's made him maybe more transcendent than a lot of other rockers of his generation. Like there's a lot of – there's people of, of like a wide range of ages, I think, mourning Tom Petty. Yeah. Now, like who feel like they grew up with Tom Petty – uh, even if like they're listening to records that came out before they were born. Right. Well, and I think, you know, like he's also, his music has sort of touched people in these kind of different cultural touchstones over the years. Like, you know, I think about, uh, you know, American girl 
and um, you know how uh, you know you have that scene uh, from um, a Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, you know, or you know, to me, like when the Strokes kind of kickstarted that uh, revival of rock and roll with Last Night. Like that's a song that is immediately descended from American Girl. Right. Or, you know, I think about the Parks and Rec finale and it kind of hangs on wildflowers and like, (laughs) they're just all these little places where, you know, Tom Petty pops up as this sort of like totem of Americana. And I think lots of people sort of identify that along the way. And that's sort of how you get to your own Petty. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that Silence of the Lambs scene. And, and for those who aren't familiar, there's a scene in Silence of the Lambs where, uh, I forget the character's name, but it's like, Buffalo Bill's victim, like the yeah, girl who's in the pit. Right. And like, you know, and the, the girl he tells to put the lotion on her hands and stuff. Um, before she gets kidnapped, she's listening to American Girl. She's singing along to it on the radio. And it just made me think of how in Jerry Maguire, there's a big scene where Tom Cruise is driving and uh, he puts on Free Fallen in the car. And I, I just love that there's this sort of mini genre of movie scenes where people listen to Tom Petty songs in the car and it's sort of like a celebratory thing where they're singing along to the song. And I think that says something big about how we all sort of experienced Tom Petty's music. It was like, yeah, you're in the car, you're listening to it, uh, at maybe a pivotal moment in your life and it's offering relief or it's sort of commenting on maybe a moment of triumph in your life or, or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, that's been kind of the funny thing about this is because, uh, it's obvious. I mean, I'm you know, as we said, we're obviously really sad that Tom Petty died. But I've been listening to Tom Petty music, and it's hard to feel sad listening to Tom Petty. Like I've I've been feeling kind of happy at the same time. I mean, it, it's been great to see all the tributes that have been paid to him too, as someone who loves Tom Petty, and and to know that we can all kind of collectively love this guy together right now. Um, but in a way, if you're sad about Tom Petty passing. Listening to his music is like the best cure for, for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it will make you feel better. Uh, maybe not all songs. There are some songs that like, like I said, it's good to be King bum me out. That made me pr- feel pretty sad, but um, I don't know. A lot of the hits, I, I don't know. I've just been listening to like live bootlegs and stuff and they were such a great band. Um, and there's so much joy in the performances that it's like, man, I'm, I'm sad that he's gone, but man, what he what he left behind is like so great, and yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we can at least still experience that. You know, and, and kind of going back to that 40th anniversary tour, like it was, you know, to me there is some symmetry to like, you know, he played the last show in that tour of the Hollywood Bowl like yeah. less than a week ago, and you know, the show itself was adorned with all of these photos from the history of the band, and you realize, I mean. It's no secret that the Heartbreakers are a great band. Like that's that's well known. But there's so many of these guys that have been in the band yeah. for so long. Like they're an institution in their own way. Right. And it's just everything about him was just so solid and good and well done and just stable. Yeah. You know? And it, it it stinks not to have that anymore. And it stinks not to have something like there aren't. You know, it, we're in this world where. Culture is diverse, and everyone kind of has their own pockets, and there aren't that many things that we can all appreciate together anymore. And anytime you lose one of those, it's just, it's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I I was thinking about this before I came in, that I was like, oh man, like Mike Campbell and Ben Montench, like, are they going to still play together? Like, can they 
just back up somebody else now or can they start their own band because it's like i you know i still want to hear them play together they you know, the, you know mike campbell co-wrote a lot of those great tom petty songs um he was a pivotal part of you know what made him so great so you know i'm curious to see what those guys do next i i hope that uh we haven't heard the last of those two guys playing together. I, but yeah, I have no idea what they what they'll do. You know, maybe they'll back up Ryan Adams or something, or some <laughs> other singer songwriter. I don't know. Um, you know, we, we've we've thrown out a bunch of records already. Is there any? You know, do you have a favorite album or favorite song? Anything you'd want to like shout out here at the end? I mean, we we have we've we've definitely talked uh, about a lot of them. Um, yeah, there's. So, I mean, like, there's so many good singles. Yeah. You know, like, um, I don't know if we've mentioned Refugee, you know what I mean? Or yeah. You Got Lucky. Um, and then, all, you know, anytime, you, to me, that whole 80s run of, like, I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream, Free Fallen uh, is amazing. And then, like, the, the some of the singles from Wildflowers, uh, you know, that You Don't Know How It Feels and You Wreck Me, It's Good to Be King. Uh, the title tracker, like, it, the breath. And really, you know, for a guy that you sort of think of, like, it, there's a diversity in, in some of those things where you don't necessarily think of him as a guy who did a lot of different stuff. But when you look back over the body of work, like, it's, yeah. really, it's really striking. Yeah, I mean, I would say if you don't already own Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' Greatest Hits, like, you know, or I guess you don't have to own it, just, like, Add it to your Spotify library, um, you know, and and just play that next time you take a road trip. It's like the greatest road trip album of all time. Um, you know, Full Moon Fever and Wildflowers. I mean, those albums always come up when you talk about Tom Petty. There's a reason for that. I think they're both just wall-to-wall great records. Um, I mean, Full Moon Fever is the one. I mean, Full Moon Fever is like a greatest hits record, basically. I mean, there's... You, know, you just mentioned a bunch of songs that are on that record. That's Free Fallen, I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream. Um, you know, tons of hits on that record. You know, I guess for underappreciated gems in his catalog, uh, you know, we mentioned Damn the Torpedoes. That's another record that, in terms of the early Petty, that's considered, you know, the sort of classic of that time. But I'm a big fan of the record that came after that, which is Hard Promises. That's the record. It starts with The Waiting. That's the first song on the record, which is a great side one track one like i think yeah. an all-time great side one track mm-hmm. one uh, but that whole album is, is really good um i am a fan of into the great wide open to the the record between full moon fever and wildflowers it doesn't quite get as much love but um that is a record that also involved jeff lynn jeff lynn was a big contributor to full moon fever he was the producer of it he also co-wrote free fallen and he co-wrote a lot of great Tom Petty songs. There's another Jeff Lynne record. Safe bet to be the last surviving Woolberry, I think. Right? I think so. Well, I mean, it's him and Dylan right now. Yeah. Dylan's been pretty wily, you know. <laughs> I, I, uh, hope, I think hopefully he'll hang around for a long time. Uh, the, like the third, I guess, in the Tom Petty-Jeff Lynne trilogy is a record called Highway Companion that came out, I think, in 05 or 06. 06, yeah. It was 06, um, which I think is... I think the best record that he's put out this century, uh, you know, his, his output became much slower, uh, in the two thousands and into this decade, but highway companion is a really good record. So I would, I would give that one a shout out. I've, I've also always been a big fan 
of She's the One from 1996. He he did the sound. It's it's a soundtrack for an Ed Burns movie that no one gives a shit about anymore. <laughs> I saw that movie. <laughs> but um, but you're right. The soundtrack's really good. The soundtrack is great. There's a the the big hit from that was Walls, which is um one of the great Tom Petty singles. Kind of on. I think it's somewhat unheralded. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people still love that song. But there's a lot of great songs on there. He does a cover of of Asshole by Beck, which again was another example of Tom Petty sort of being the president of rock and roll at that time. You know, yeah. Beck was an up and comer in 1997, uh, and Asshole was sort of a lesser known song. It was a, on an album called One Foot in the Grave, which was pre Odelay. Um, but that's a great one too. So you know, I would say if you're looking to dig into Petty. And you want to get beyond sort of the obvious ones. Those are all good albums to check out. Uh, and, and do it. I mean, you know, he has so many great hits. But there's a lot of great songs beyond the hits, too. And, you know, sometimes with an, with an artist like this, you know, maybe you think you know the, you know, the 10 most famous songs and you've heard them a million times and you're a little sick of them. Tom Petty is a guy who has a lot of deep cuts that are, haven't been exposed that much. And this, uh, you know, the silver lining of, of an artist like this passing is that it does put more attention on their catalog. And uh, hopefully that will allow some of these underrated gems to shine a little yeah, brighter. He did an entire tour a couple of years ago that I believe he called the Free from Free Fallen tour. Oh. Um, <laughs> where just trying to play some of the, the his favorite songs that were a little more underexposed yeah. uh, in the catalog. Yeah, there's a ton of those. And like you said, too, I don't think you can go wrong. Uh, you listening to any live record? Oh yeah, because they're they're just a really great, really tight, super professional live band. So yeah, there's that album, the live anthology, which came out I think about like ten years ago or so, which is an excellent live record. It's live cuts from throughout their career from the '70s until the in, you know, through the 2000s. Uh, that's another great place to go. Um, if you're looking for, you know, maybe something off the beaten path with Petty. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about the Free from Free Fallen tour. How amazing is it, though, to have songs like that, that you know you can play and 50,000 people are going to sing along with oh, it yeah. and love it. And Petty had, again, he had like at least a dozen, if not a couple dozen songs like that, mm -hmm. uh, which is just incredible. Uh, so, again, it's a sad time, but... Uh, you know, this man's gone, but I'm so glad that the music is still here and it's still there to be discovered. And, uh, even if you, even if you love this music already, there's still things to discover in it. I think, uh, you know, as, as, as we dwell on the music, cause the man is no longer here. So, uh, I think that's it. I think that's all we have for Petty here. I, I wanted to ask you, cause I was talking about this, uh, with my friend Kolsky does, does Petty make the Mount Rushmore of American solo artists for you? You mean just like rock artists? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think if you, you almost have to say because if you start going, well, is well, he a Prince solo artist? Michael though? Jackson, yeah, is he a solo artist? Yeah, you know, this is the thing. Like whenever we talk about bands, you know, I, I I tend to not consider bands that are like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers or Bruce Springsteen and the East well, Street Band yeah. as bands. I think the question is if you consider but, Springsteen a solo artist, then Tom Petty is a right. Solo I mean, but it, but at the same time. The Heartbreakers do seem like more of a band to me because Mike Campbell was such an integral right. 
you know, like in, like Springsteen's writing songs by himself. Like Petty did not, yeah, often did not write songs Full by himself. Full Moon Fever is technically a Tom Petty and not a Heartbreakers record, but, but Mike Campbell plays all. And over so does it. Ben Montage. Yeah, so. I think they all play on it except Stan Lynch, yeah. who was the drummer at the time. And Mike Campbell again, he co-wrote a lot of the songs on Full Moon Fever. Yeah, yeah and you're right. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it's kind of hilarious that Tom Petty was able to make a solo record with the Heartbreakers, but he just didn't have to give them credit. You know, it's like a very widely Southern strategy (laughs) on his part. Um, I mean, I don't know. You know, that's tough. I mean, he's certainly in the conversation. I, you know, that's a hard question because like you you just want to say yes because you feel sad and you just want to give Tom Petty all the love. But um, I mean, he's definitely in the conversation. I, you know, I. You know, in the in the in the greater hierarchy of American singer songwriters, you know, where does he fall? I don't know. I I think it, when it comes to a certain kind of rock songwriting, you know, certainly like like songs that you want to hear in the car, on the radio when you're you know on a road trip or something. You know, there's not many people better than him. Yeah. You know, if you're talking about like a, just like Americans, like John Fogerty, like with like CCR, you know. Yeah. Kind of, but he didn't have the sustained career that Petty did. I will, I will say this: there is no American who's put more songs on classic rock radio than Tom Petty. Right, like none. Uh, right, not Springsteen, not Dylan, not Hendrix. You know, not Fogarty. Uh, it's it's Tom Petty. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if he's on the Mount Rushmore. But the fact that that it, you really have to think about it, it tells you enough right there. I right? mean, I think in terms of like putting out singles. Like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers is like one of the great like singles acts in yeah. rock history, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put out a lot of great albums, um, but like as a singles act, they are really. I, I mean, you could make a case that they are the greatest singles act. I, you know, I would say either them or like CCR again, or like the Beach Boys or something. I mean, you have to like look at '60s groups, really. I think if you're going to talk about singles bands and rock music, but. Like post nineteen eighty or post like nineteen seventy five. Yeah, it's not even they're, close. I, they're probably the best. Yeah. You know, the only analog I'd say to now would be like maybe the Foo Fighters or something. Like the Foo Fighters are a great singles act, maybe even better than they are an albums act. Right. Um, well, good. And Dave Grohl took over kind of as the president of rock. I think right? exactly. So. He's the new president of rock or the current president of rock. <laughs> so there is something to that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. If you know, if if you guys. Those of you who are listening, you know, let me know on social media. Like, chime in at us at, at our uh, Twitter page, Cellar Rock Pod. Let you know. Let you know, does he go on your Mount Rushmore? Like, where do you put him in the in the pantheon? I'm curious to see what other people think of that. Um, all right, well, guys, thanks again. I'm glad we had this opportunity to vent <laughs> to yeah. channel our grief into praise of Tom Petty, and uh, we will uh, we'll be back on Monday with a normal episode of Celebration Rock. All right, guys, thanks again. Take care.